a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we celebrated our third anniversary. Oh, you don't get claps for that one? I, I thought you'd get claps for that one, right? You're like, Pastor, this is not a participation award. Can, you know, good job. Wait till you get a little bit longer down the road. How many people here, you've been married 20 years? 20 years. Anybody in the 20-year club? Come on, come on. 20 years. Okay, you got a hand back there. What about, what about 25 years? How many in the 25-year club? 25, 25, 25. 30. Who's the 30? Now, I'm looking specifically back here uh, in this direction. Tell me how long you've been married. 47 years. 47 years. That's why when I, when I said three, I heard a little, huh. Back there, right? A little, huh, back there. But we, a couple weeks ago, we just celebrated uh, our third year. And, uh, you know, those that are on Facebook, you know that, uh, you know, Facebook kind of reminds you of certain memories and things like that. And, and so that, that one, the one photo popped up, and, it, and it's the photo that reminds me of that time, you know, when we, when we got married and we went on our honeymoon. And for us, uh, for our honeymoon, we went to Cancun. I've never been to Cancun before. Uh, and we, we found a, a place that was uh, one of those all-inclusive plates, adults only. Right, we weren't thinking about kids at that time, but we just we wanted to get away and gotten gotten done that. Uh, and my wife's uh, father, so my father-in-law had uh, invested into this uh, like hotel timeshare thing years ago, and so we were able to go on a discounted rate. So we made, we went, and we were so excited. And while you're there, if you've ever been in that or been through that experience, while you're there, they offer you all kinds of free excursions. Right, so when you're there, they offer you at the hotel. They offer you all kinds of free excursions, and uh, but there's a catch: you have to go and listen to their sales presentation. Right, so so we we got there and initially we were like, ah, we're not going to do that. You know, we don't we don't need to do that. And, you know, and then a couple days later, we thought, well, you know, maybe we could go go and do one of them. I don't know if we had spent all of our money or you know or what had happened at that point, but we're like, how bad can it be? Right? How how bad can it be? So we signed we we signed up for the excursion that we wanted to go on, and and then we went and we went and, and sat through the sales presentation, and uh, with with zero intention of buying anything. Has anybody ever, so somebody told me one time that they were just going to go look at puppies. And I said, you don't go look at puppies, you come home with puppies, right? So we were going and we were just, we were just going to look, we were, you know, we're just going to listen to the presentation. And uh, so, so we get in there and sure enough, they, you know, they start applying all of their sales techniques on you. And I have to admit to you, it started to work. I started to get it broke down. And one in particular, I think he just found this like one little area where he knew I was weak at. And he said something like, you know, you don't want to have to rely on your father-in-law your whole life. And I thought, you're, you're getting to me, right? You're speaking my language here. But uh, we made it through, and, 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 but, but I thought to myself, this would, this would be an investment that someday would pay off. Right? I thought this would be an investment that someday would pay off. Here I am with my, my wife, and we're having a great time because you don't have any bad times when you're in Cancun at an all-inclusive resort, right? Having a great time and was thinking about it, and then I thought, you know what? With the numbers they're presenting to me, uh, it looks like we would have to go to Cancun for the next 50 years to pay off what they're offering us. And so we, uh, we went to get out of there, and before we could get out of there, they sent us to the top level where we had to like sit with the closer guy who was about like a like a, a villain off of a James Bond movie, right? And it's just like, buy it, buy it, buy it. And they're like, I gotta get out of here, right? So, so we get out of there, but have you ever, have you ever thought that there would be something that would eventually pay off someday? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever made an investment into something that you thought would eventually pay off 
someday. How many here, you know, there was, you know you've made, you're, you're, you're doing the retirement thing, right? You're investing in the 401k, the, the company's offering it. You know, some of us are doing that. Some of you are like, oh man, I felt really guilty. I need to do that a little bit more, right? You're like, pastor, don't talk about that kind of stuff, right? But we've made investments. How about this? If you've got kids in the room, if you've got the kids in the room, how many of you think that will pay off someday? Go ahead, right? Go ahead, that will pay off someday, Oh, you're like, my kids are in the room. That's why I can't say anything right now, right? But, but how many of us have, have thought that, man, someday that thing will pay off? Or how about this? If I were to come and visit your home and would look through the garage and would look through the closets, how many of you would say, well, I can't get rid of that because someday, someday that little exercise bike is going to pay off someday, right? Once I get it going and working again, right? The truth is, we've, we've all experienced this before. We've all made investments into things. We've all made investments, in, whether it's like an, an account or a relationship or, or some, something that we hope someday will pay off. And so here's my question for us this morning. What about when it comes to our lives? What about when it comes to our lives? What are the things that we are investing our lives into hoping that someday it will pay off. So as you sit with that question, that's where we're going to be going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 10. So go ahead and move in that direction. There's Bibles uh, near your seat uh, or or pull them up on your phone. However you get a copy of it, we just want to encourage you to, to, to take a look at it. And as you're moving in that direction, I, I want to I give us some, some context again for the series and then also for the scripture that we're in. As I mentioned, you know, this is a, this is a series where uh, all of us have some sort of view or image of God. Say yes. Right? All of us have some sort of view or image of God, whether that's you know, growing up, we, you know, we were in church and we were in Sunday school and they used a flannel graph and so we think about Jesus that way or we think of, of God as a, as a police God who's just kind of waiting for me to mess up. Right? We all are cosmos God that is just God's out there somewhere distant but he's not really, he's not really near. Uh, so all of us have some sort of image or view of God and the important thing about that is that that view or image of God really uh, directs your life that you live in response to that image. And so what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is deconstructing that so that we can reconstruct an image of who God is. Now, how many, how many here, you need to understand the importance of, of, of having an image in your mind, right? We always, have it, we always have an image of what we think it's supposed to look like. Has anybody ever done a home renovation project, right? Has anybody ever like done a home renovation project? How many of you, uh, you, you know, you watched Fixer Upper and you said, my home renovation project did not end up looking like that, right? Right, a lot, a lot of us have done that. Or how about this one? You, you think it's time, to, it's time to change up your hair, right? It's time to get a new hairstyle, trying to get a new haircut. And so what do we do? We go and look at models who have the haircut that we want. Yes, say yes. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say yes. That's what I do, right? We all do that. We, we look at them. And then we get the haircut. And then we look in the mirror and we say, I don't look like Brad Pitt, Right? It's like, why did that happen, right? Like, what happened there? And so we all have these, like, views and images of what we think it's supposed to look like. We apply the same set of criteria to God, that we believe God is supposed to look like something. So that's why we've been unpacking this so that we can uh, repack it with with the words that Jesus says are true about God. And so week one, if you remember, what was week one? I am the... 
bread of life. There we go. And then what was week two? I'm the light of the world. And then what was last week? I am the gate. I am the gate. Oh boy, we're doing really good in here, right? Doing really good in here, right? So we've been, we've been looking at that. Now, that's been the context for, you know, so unpacking those. And it's very important to think about that stuff because, again, you know, Jesus is saying, making these, uh, these comments in certain contexts, which are super important to us. But this, this little bit of uh, context is important as we jump into the passage for today. It's going to be in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. And you've got to understand this. So when John writes this letter, so the, so the, 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 the book of John that we're going to read in just a moment, when John was penning this, he was, he was writing to his church. So he was writing to a, a community, kind of like all. But the timing of it, it's many believe that this was written about 90 years after Jesus had, had left. So 80, 90 years, right, like right after that, he's writing, remembering the things that Jesus had said. But it's important to remember also that in year 70, so 70 years after uh, Jesus had left, the temple was destroyed at that point. And when the temple was destroyed, a lot of the, of the Jewish leaders, they fled. They abandoned their people. They, they ran away from their, from their people because they wanted to save themselves, right? So they ran away, but now they set up their little church, and now they're critiquing John's church. And so that's when John, when John is writing these words, he kind of has that in mind as well. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verse 11. If you've got it, would you say, I got it? All righty. Now we're going to say this together because we're just going to do verse 11 and, I'm going to, and then we'll move on. So we're going to say this together. Please put it up for us. Let's say this together. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's say that together because that was really weak this morning. Here we go. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, Remember, as we've been teaching over the last couple of weeks, when Jesus makes these statements about himself, he's not just saying them arbitrarily, right? He's not just showing up because there's a group of people and just kind of shouting out arbitrary statements. Rather, Jesus makes these statements from important context that the community would have understood. Now, last week I shared in chapter 10, verse 22, that they were at the Feast of Dedication, which is uh, which we know it to be as Hanukkah. Now, what, what is Hanukkah? I shared this last week. What is Hanukkah? Go ahead and shout it out. Fe- okay, it's a, it's a festival. Yes. What else? Okay, so there's, there, so eight is involved in that. Eight, there's an eight as well. Good. We're doing really good this morning. Doing good. But what were some other things that, what do you know to be, what do you know about Hanukkah? Food. What was it? Candles. It's a celebration, light candles, uh, uh, you know, we, it's a, it's a you know, Jewish celebration that's still celebrated around Christmas time. But remember what Hanukkah was. Now this is important for our context for this morning. Hanukkah was, this, was a festival where they remembered a time when Israel had overthrew their oppressors, recaptured their temple, and were able to have worship again. So think about it this way. You're in a church right now. Imagine some, some foreign government came in and they captured our, they captured our temple and they, and they 
they, uh, they, had, they, they would dictate, you know, how we could worship and how we could do things. And they would take stuff out of the sanctuary. And it was a mess. And so finally in 165-ish BC, uh, they came in and they overthrew them people. And they established their worship the way that they, you know, the way that God had uh, prescribed to them to worship. And then when they got into the temple, because there's certain things that you light in the temple, they found one little jar of oil that they were going to use to light the things, but it was only enough to light everything for one day, but it lasted eight days, right, which is why we, land, uh, we have the candle with the eight days. Now, now, Jesus is within this context because they're remembering this time that the leaders got it right, that the shepherds got it right, kicked them out, reestablished worship uh, for the people. But Jesus also reminds them, and, it's, and it was also a reminder, that the leadership had also failed them. Because it was only a, a, a short amount of time before the leadership became corrupt. They weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And the, and the government got back in there and totally threw them out for good. And so Jesus is at this festival where they're remembering these things. And that's when he steps in and he says, I am the gate to the good life. But then he also says, I am the what? The good shepherd, right? I am the good shepherd. Now, the shepherd imagery was uh, this imagery of leadership, right? So there were good, there were good shepherds. <clears throat> God is considered a good shepherd. And then the, there were bad shepherds, which were leaders that uh, didn't do the things that they were supposed to be doing. So Jesus is in this context and also drawing this contrast between him and these other leaders. Now, that's important for our context for today. Now, Jesus makes this statement that he is the what? Good shepherd, right? He is the good shepherd because why? It was in the passage that we read. Put it up, please. He's the good shepherd because he lays his life down for the sheep. Now, when Jesus makes a statement, he has a qualifying statement. And I'm going to help us out with this because you can't make a statement without backing it up. Say yes. How many being in recess, you've been being in school, and someone would say... LeBron James is the best basketball player ever. And you would say, and you would say yeah, right. Kobe Bryant is, right? Or Michael Jordan is, right? Because they won more championships or whatever it is. So you have to have a qualifying statement. So I'm gonna, I'm, I've got a question for us. What are some of your favorite restaurants? Come on, shout it out to me. What are some of your favorite restaurants? Denny's. Denny's. What else? What was it? Tender Greens, Carl's Jr. What else? Sonic, McDonald's, In and Out. What is it? Benny Hanna's. What else? I'm, a, I'm actually uh, I'm collecting all this research so I know who to go to lunch with later on, right? No, but what else? What was it? I can't pronounce that, but yes, that one. El Kamal, oh yes, El Kamal, right? <laughs> Didn't understand the accent. Needed my accent on that one, right? Now, why, why are those your, some of your favorite restaurants? You gotta qualify the statement. It's delicious, what else? Because they have good ice cream, what else? Good pancakes, what else? 
Good service, variety, right? So you can't make a statement without making a qualifying statement. And Jesus says the same thing. Jesus says that I am the good shepherd because I lay down my life. He's not making an arbitrary statement. He's making a qualifying statement that I'm the good shepherd because I lay down my life. Now, this also reveals a very important thing for us today. Those that would consider themselves Christ followers, Jesus also reveals another statement with what he just said. And it reveals God's leadership style. How many here you would say that, that God is your leader? That you would say, I'm, I'm trying to follow God, right? So give me, let me see a hand or something, right? It's like we call ourselves Christ followers, Jesus followers. I'm trying to follow God. That being said, then what kind of leader is God? He's the kind of leader that lays down his own life for others. This is important for two reasons this morning. One, it tells us, as we just said, that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good leader. Remember, shepherd is uh, interchangeable with leader. Jesus is the good leader. But two, it's to illustrate what real leadership looks like. Jesus is illustrating what real leadership looks like. And John, when he was writing this, he was remembering the words of Jesus. He's also writing it to remind the the hearer that, that this is what real leadership looks like. And I believe that Jesus has given us this point this morning, and it's it's this: that if you want to live a life of significance, then lay down your life for someone else. You know, there's this, there's this six, there's a hierarchy of, uh, or there's six things that's, that, that humans need. You know, there's different things, uh, certainty and, and variety, but significance is one of the six things that humans need. And so, and I know that from my own life that that's something that I wrestle with, that, that I want to know that what I'm doing is, is, is significant, right? I want to know that there's, there's something uh, unique about myself and that there's something significant about myself. But what Jesus is laying out for us is that if you want to live a life of significance, then lay down your life for someone else. Now, this is not just a leadership talk. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for CEOs. This is not just for people that are in leadership positions. This is for everyone. This is for everyone that has children. This is for everyone that has grandchildren. This is for everyone that has a job and you have coworkers. This is for everyone that finds themselves in a family. You see, if you want to live a life of significance, then lay down your life for someone else. This is what Jesus is laying before uh, the leaders and anybody that would come and follow him. If that you want to live a life of significance, then lay down your life for someone else. So uh, John gives us one side, and now he's going to contrast it, and he's going to give us another group of people. Turn to your neighbor and say, move on. Let's go. Let's go. Tell him. Move on. Let's go. So in verse 12 and 13, it says this. It says, the hired hand. Say the hired hand. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So remembering Jesus' words, he's talking about the good shepherd. Now he's talking about the hired hand. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Remember, Jesus is like moving some symbolism and using some words together to communicate his truth. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, he runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. So when you were, when you were growing up, 
when you were growing up, what, what were some of your first jobs? Do you remember back to your, your first jobs? Now, when I, when I say your first job, I'm not talking about like your, your dad told you to go pick up the dog's stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your first job uh, that, that you got a, like a W-2 or you got you to pay stuff for. What were some of your first jobs? SeaWorld. Sea Cashier. What else? Military. What was it? Silk City? Soak City, Soak City. What is it? A video store. Does anybody remember video stores? Blockbuster, oh man, RIP, right? It was like before social media, you know, was like the hangout place. Like we all went to Blockbuster and you'd run into everybody and you'd also see what everybody else is watching, right? You know, you're doing that, right? Yeah, Blockbuster, what else? Taco, fast food. What was your first job? Hostess. My wife's first job was the hostess with the mostess, right? Right? But those that, were, those that had uh, these, these, these first jobs, what, what Jesus is doing is that he's contrasting. When you were, when you were in that position, though, uh, for most of us, we, we felt like hired hands. Say yes, right? We felt like I'm here you know, to offer a service, but I'm also here to receive a paycheck. And so what, what Jesus is doing is he's contrasting that there's two types of leaders. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's two types of leaders, Shepherds, like we just talked about, which are good leaders, and then hired hands. If the shepherd is seen as the ideal leader, then the hired hand is the opposite. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when adversity comes, they run away. Hired hands can be characterized by self-preservation, self-interest, meaning when you boil it down, they only cared about themselves. Now, in their context, you had, you know, there were people that had large flocks of sheep, and so they would go and they would hire, hire people to kind of help do that things, so they would understood that that's the hired hand, and then the good shepherd were the ones that, these are my sheep. How many of you, you take care, you take better care of your own children than other children say yes, right? You're like, yeah, I mean, I, I know we're supposed to love everybody, but mine gets two little things of ice cream, right? Then the one, right? right? And that's the, that's the context and that's the idea. But I wanted to give us this this morning. I want to give you this. And, and normally I don't uh, offer these things, but I felt like there was a very important leadership lesson for us because regardless of where you're at, we're all leaders in some way, shape, form, or capacity. And, it, and it's this. It put this up for me, this principle. That operating as an owner rather than a hired hand will create opportunities for your career. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, whatever it is that you do, whatever the field is, if you will operate as an owner rather than a hired hand, it will create opportunities for your career. This was, this was something, this was a lesson that my, my father gave to me early on. Uh, I, I can remember when I was younger and we'd have chores and things like that. And I just thought, it, you know, I thought it didn't matter. I always thought, you know what, it'll matter once I get paid. It'll matter once I'm in a better position. And my dad would, would remind me, the, the way that you show up today is how you're going to show up tomorrow. And he, and he didn't say these words, but if you'll operate as an owner, if you will see yourself as an owner where you're looking to add more value than, than you're looking to extract, it will create opportunities for your life. And I've carried that through every single job that I've had. When I was a, when I was a landscaper, that's right, used to landscape, used to have hair like this gentleman back here and beard and all that kind of stuff, Right? When I was a landscaper, I didn't, I didn't look at myself as a hired hand. I looked at myself as how would, how, would I, uh, how would I operate if I owned this business? 
And it, and it always created opportunities for me. I, I never had a, uh, trouble with that. But it also, it's also a value for the church. When you do discover one, one of the things that we jump into is the values of the church. Every church has a mission and they have a vision and then they have a set of values that is how we kind of uh, keep ourselves together. These are things that we value. Uh, and one of the values for the church is this, is that uh, we are first to serve and last to be served. That this is one of our values as a church is that we look to serve before we are served. Now, that is scriptural. That is biblical. Jesus even said himself that the Son of Man came to, oh Lord, serve rather than be served. And so I think what Jesus is kind of highlighting, even though it's kind of a, a nuanced point, is that if you'll operate as an owner, if you'll look to serve, if you'll look to add value rather than extract value, it will lead you in a good direction. So there's two different leaders. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's then two different results. There's two different results. Uh, and, and one of those is that it's interesting in the Bible that when you read, when you read the Bible, that the, there's these groups of people that are grouped together, like Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're grouped together. And I think that they're grouped together uh, for a reason because these were, these were hired hands. These were people that when the going got tough, they ran away. When there was adversity, they ran away, and they didn't stick in there. They didn't, they didn't stay with the people. And because of that, I think that there was this thing called a, the hired hand effect, Basically, what I think is that they were common. There was no need to, to highlight one individual because they all were acting the same and so it was common. But if there's two different leaders, shepherds and hired hands, then there's two different results. One of those results from the hired hand is this, is that their, their leadership style was ineffective, it was damaging, and I believe it, it led to them living a life of insignificance. It was ineffective, meaning as soon as the wolf comes, they run away. It was damaging, that the, the, the flock was damaged, and then it, was, it led to a life of insignificance. Can you hear me this morning? Regardless of where you're at, regardless of your work situation, of your family situation, if you will make this switch from looking, stop looking at yourself as a hired hand and begin to see yourself as, as a good shepherd that God has placed you in that place, I believe it will lead you to live a life of significance. It will lead you to live a life of effectiveness. It will lead you to live a life of, to help other people flourish in their environment. But, but, the, uh, the, but there's two sides. If there's two different sides of the leadership, then there's two different results. One was ineffective, damaging, and insignificant. But then there's this other one where leadership that makes a meaningful and a lasting difference. So in verse 14 and 15, it says this. Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, what, what Jesus is saying here, and it's really important for us this morning, is that, is that he's uncovering motivation, right? He's un uncovering why he does what he does and he's revealing this truth for us. If you... If you move in this direction, and you go to lay down your life for simply a principle, it will be empty. But if you will, if you will lay down your life for a person, then it will be fulfilling. You see, I think that's a, a, a trouble a lot of uh, believers uh, get, in, get themselves into is that, you know, at some point you, you said yes to Jesus and you're, and you're trying to follow after Jesus, but you never said yes to Jesus. You said yes to the idea of Jesus, 
You said yes to the principle of Jesus, right? Because someone told you that Jesus will make your life better. You'll marry somebody that's out of your league. No one promised you that one? Okay, right? Keep going, right? That your life would be good. You'd always have employment. You know, your, everything would be good, right? And so we committed to the idea of Jesus. We committed to the principle of Jesus, but we never committed ourselves to the person of Jesus. And there is a difference between that. Now, as I shared earlier, my wife and I, we've been married uh, three years, and I think one of, the, one of the challenges that couples get into is that they, they marry into the principle, not the person. How many know that when you marry the principle and the idea of marriage, it's very empty? But when you commit yourself to the person, it's very fulfilling, and it's not empty. And I think what Jesus is revealing to us today is saying, yes, if you want to live a life of significance, then lay down your life for someone else. But also know this, you can't commit yourself to a principle. You have to commit yourself to a person. That's how it works. And it's beautiful because hear this, this is what Jesus is saying that he's done for us. You see, Jesus said, I didn't go to the cross for some principle. I didn't go to the cross for some idea. I didn't go to the cross for some abstract idea. He said, I went to the cross for you. I went to the cross for you. I went to the cross for people. He says, I know my sheep. And that word gets lost on us because we know a lot of things. We know that Shark Week is on this week. Say yes, right? We know, in a clap, right? We, we know the, the restaurants that we like. There's, that gets lost on us. That's not what Jesus is saying there. He's not saying like, ah, yeah, it's some coworker that I know or it's whatever. No was this intimate knowledge of, of like a familial relationship or, or a marital relationship. He's saying, I know my sheep. I know them. That's why I lay down my life. Not for some principle, but be for a person, for you and for me. And so he reveals the motivation part. But he's also telling us this. And I wanna, I wanna uh, end my time this morning. I wanna invite our, our team back up here. Is he's telling us this. That if you'll lay down your life for someone else, yes, it will lead to a life of significance, but it will also help to leave a meaningful and a lasting difference. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What Jesus is saying here, and it's kind of one of the few points in the gospels where Jesus is referring to reaching an audience that was beyond the Jewish people. Yes, he felt called to the Jewish people first, to, to, to his house first, but he knew that, that his message, he knew that because of, of his style of leadership, of laying down his life, that it was gonna be much broader, that it was gonna reach much further than that. It was, it was gonna go beyond any kind of scope that he could have imagined. He said, yes, there's two flocks. He said, but one day there's gonna be one flock and there's gonna be one shepherd. You know, the reason that um, I love my wife and I, I love my daughter isn't, isn't, for, isn't, for some immediate, isn't for some immediate return. I, 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 you know, the, the, the reason that I serve my wife, the reason I serve my daughter isn't for some, some immediate, you know, immediate return that maybe next week they'll love me. I mean, I hope that, right? 
But I'm, I'm thinking two years down the road, right? I'm thinking when, my, when my, my wife is, you know, we're married two more years and my daughter's, you know, approaching three. I'm thinking five years down the road. I'm thinking 10 years down the road. I'm thinking 20 years down the road. Because when, when, my, when my daughter gets to an age where she's an adult, I want us to be able to have that foundation and have that relationship. You see, I know that if I'll lay down my life for my wife and for my, for my child, I know that that's what's gonna leave a meaningful and a lasting difference in their life. And the same thing is true for the church. The reason that I, that I want to lay down my life for the church isn't just so that you'll come back next week. I mean, I hope that. But I, 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 want, I want you two years from now, five years from now to look back and be like, you remember that time that we served together as a church? Do you remember that, that time that pastor spoke that message? I, I want you five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now to look back at, the, at these moments that we shared together. That's why I serve. That's why I wanna lay down my life. Yes, yes, yes. It will lead to a life of significance, but I know that that's how it'll make a meaningful and a lasting difference in your life and in the life of our community and in the life of our world. So what do we do with this message? How do we, how do we you know, take these principles? How do we boil it down? How do we apply it to our life so that we can take this home with us today? I have one question for you. Where are you being a hired hand when God has called you to be a good shepherd? Where are you operating as a hired hand when God has called you to be a good shepherd? I realize that there's a, you know, there, there might be a lot of areas where we could apply that question. You know, maybe, maybe we think about work, we think about our coworkers, and you know, we just think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not here to do any of that stuff. I'm just here. But would you, would you reframe that? Would you rethink about that? Possibly God has you there not to be a hired hand, but to be a good shepherd. Maybe it's in your family. You're with your family and it's like, I can't, you know, I really can't stand these people. Come on, let's be real, right? I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why God placed me in this family. I'm only, you know, I'm whatever it is. What if God's asking you not to be a hired hand, but rather he's asking you to be a good shepherd in that place? But I, I want to direct your attention to something else. You see, I believe that God speaks to his people, which is you, which is me. I believe that God plants things in our hearts and so here's my question, is that what area of influence has God given you? And then where are you being a hired hand when God has called you to be a good shepherd? Sit with that, let's take that home. Now the reason that I'm asking this question and the reason that I believe that, that God is pressing this upon us this morning not because he's mean, not because he wants us to do something that is uncomfortable, not because like, you know, he wants us to do something scary, but rather, I believe that this is the way that God leads us to more life for our life. You know, it's interesting in John chapter 12, I'm gonna finish with this. In John chapter 12, um, John recalls this time uh, where they were, they were together and there was a group of people that, you know, Jesus was starting to get famous and there was a group of people that had traveled a long distance because they wanted to, they wanted to meet this person, Jesus, who seems like he's teaching with authority, people are getting healed, and so they wanted to meet him. 
And so you can only imagine the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's these people, they traveled a long way, they want to meet with you. And, you know, you think Jesus would have some sort of, you know, response like, not now. I must go and pray, right? Or something like that. But but instead he says this, very truly, I tell you, put this up. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then he says this, and this, is, this verse is captured in other gospels. It says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Think about that. How many of us that we operate as a hired hand, not necessarily because we want to, but because we're just afraid, Right? We're just afraid. I, I just want to get in here. I just want to get what I need and I want to go, I want to move on. Because we're trying to preserve ourselves. We're, we're, we're trying to just take care of ourselves. But Jesus says, if when you try to save yourself, that you lose it. That when you try to orient your life around yourself, you lose it. He says, while anyone who hates their life. Now, Jesus isn't saying that you should hate yourself and go home and cut yourself. He's not saying any of that stuff. Jesus is using strong language because he wants everybody to know that, that for those who will totally kind of turn them back, their back on themselves so that they can turn themselves towards God, that's what he's saying. They will not only keep their life, but they'll have it for eternity. You see, the reason that Jesus leads us down this path isn't because he's mean, isn't because he wants us to to, uh, do something that's crazy or scary. It's because he knows it's the path that will lead us to more life. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. Isn't that what we want for our lives? Don't we want our lives at the end of it all as as we finish our race? Don't we want to know that it wasn't just a single seed, but rather it produced many seeds? When you look back on 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 the time that God gave you with your children and and your grown children, don't you want to look at their lives and be like, I gave myself for them. And now look at their lives flourish. Don't we want to look back on our time and when we think about the church, you know, we, and we don't think about it as, ah, just something I serve and, ah. But don't we want to look back on it and be like, wow, I gave of myself to that church and now look at it flourish. Look at the people that are coming to Christ. Look at the people whose lives are being changed. Because I decided to give up five, ten hours of my week Imagine, imagine, unless a single kernel falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it falls and dies, it produces many seeds. Would you pray with me this morning?